What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Abraham's Wallet. If you're watching on video, you can see it's a very special treat this week. No, it's not a special treat that Mark's not here. That's not a treat. I never said that that was a treat. I'm saying the treat is that uh, I'm in the treehouse this week. That's a treat. And uh, uh, I didn't need to uh, squander Mark's time on this because really all I'm going to do this week is share uh, an email with you that uh, came in to us at Abe's Wallet. As you know, as you might have heard us say, we love the emails. We love people giving us real-time thoughts and comments on uh, family building and uh, love to know the problems and questions and comments. And we love knowing what do you love, what's helpful, and we also love knowing what is a waste of your time, because we're not interested in wasting your time. And uh, anyways, I, I thought this was such a notable email um, because of its honesty, as you'll see. And then I'm going to, I responded to this email, and I'm going to read you that response as well. Okay, here's the, here's the email. Um. I really love your practical wisdom and practical help with finances and especially the family stuff. Good. So this guy says, I'm 30 and I'm a father of four with one on the way. Great. But to be honest, here it comes. I'm having a hard time being excited about being a dad. And my heart most often is not at my home. Don't get me wrong. I'm physically here after work and in the weekends and I'm present, not on my phone, etc. But I find my heart is often not here. I'd rather be at work. I own my own construction business. Or working around the house or just doing my own thing. I see this as an issue. Just observing his own heart. This is an issue. Um, but I don't know how to change the reality of where my heart is. I make myself do things like family devotions. Read and play with my kids but it seems so often to be duty and not delight. Any thoughts or advice about how to get my heart homeward and excited about sewing into my wife and children? Man, I, I so value people being honest and, and being transparent and saying, this is what I'm really dealing with. I know this, uh, this isn't going to be popular to say, but my guess is that lots of us hear that um, concern and we think, uh, I can relate to that. I, I know that feeling. We, we might be too kind of pious to say it out loud, but we relate to the feeling and thinking, should I be enjoying this more? I talk to guys who act like, oh, I'm leading my father, leading my family. I'm the father of the year. And everybody acts like it's yo-ho-ho. And the, we're whistling the tune of the seven dwarves. We're going to work and we love it. Oh, we love 
getting up in the middle of the night and changing diapers and spanking for the hundredth time and oh we love discipline and training and oh it's isn't it wonderful um but the fact is that we do feel this way oftentimes well there's not an easy answer to this uh, issue but i'm gonna scattershot some ideas and um if you relate to our emailer here um then i hope one of them hits you and at the at the end of me reading this email, I'm going to throw it to an interview I did with uh, with my uh, good old buddy, uh, Michael, who's who's appeared on the podcast uh, several times. And I uh, I was taking a road trip with Michael and asked him uh, this this very question. And so I'm going to throw it to that uh, that conversation in a minute. Um, Michael, by the way, has eight children, so. So he has some thoughts. He, he has some strong thoughts in re response to this question. But here was the email that I wrote back. I said, there, there's a lot I would need to know to really answer this question well. And here's some thoughts. Um, I asked several questions. How's your relationship with your wife? So that, that would change your, your relationship, your posture toward your home. How's your relationship with your wife? Do you and your wife share a vision of where your family is headed? Um, you're going to hear that talked about quite a bit uh, in the convo with me and Michael. Do you, do you and your wife share a vision? Did your parents ingrain a sense of importance regarding developing family bonds and assets that serve it with you? Again, that's just something to investigate. If you're swimming uphill and you're, you, you are taking the ball down the court from your your family story is not one of a father who gets joy out of playing with the kids and loves being with everyone. If you're swimming against the grain of your family's story, it can be very different. Um, for me, for instance, I have wonderful memories of my father getting on the floor in front of the fireplace with me and my sister and wrestling with us and playing with us. And he, and we have home movies of him uh, tossing me a football, tossing me a baseball in the backyard of us going out uh, into the woods and the creeks together and hunting together. And he, it was so obvious to me as a child that my father experienced so much fulfillment in being a father that for me to walk back into that role and to also experience fulfillment um, it feels very natural, but if you're swimming against the grain, uh, with your family story, it can be a different, it can be a whole different thing where you're kind of going, this feels weird. This isn't fun as I understood fun to be growing up. Such so a question worth asking. Um, fourth question, are your children well behaved? That is, do you enjoy them? So I would say it would be pretty natural if you did not have trained children if you did not instill uh, obedience in them, that you might have, you might have, you might reasonably have a hard time being around them and think this is not fun uh, because it might not be. Um, I asked, "How old are your children?" Now, I, uh, what I was getting at with that question, "How old are your children?" is that sometimes, gosh, if his children, if he's if he's got four children and they're all four and under, that's just a righteous slog. And that is, the, the, it's hard to find a lot of fun 
in dealing with uh, a y very young family. And you know what? All we can do is put arms around each other and go, you're doing, the, you're doing it, man. This is it. It's going to get better and be faithful and keep going. So I asked that question, how old are your children? Were your parents affectionate with you? And this is a reiteration of the earlier question. Did they enjoy being together as a family? And the last question they asked is, do you fantasize about being single and having no family responsibilities? Um, I think most men probably do occasionally fantasize about that. Um, fantasize about having no family responsibilities. That isn't necessarily a sin unless you in, in, indulge that fantasy and you stare into the distance. Wait a second, go away. I'm indulging my fantasy. And you, you know, there, there's all sorts of, there's fantasy lust, which we think of as having some um, perversion connotations to it. But, but lust is simply uh, craving and envying a situation that you're not in and fantasizing about being there. So I'm trying to kind of get at the bottom of all that. All right, now I, I go on, and I'm going to give him about uh, five thoughts here, okay? Here's the first one. If you have a bunch of little kids, going stir-crazy every so often is not abnormal. It's a stage of life. The best thing for this is laughter with your wife about how crazy your lives are. And you can swap stories about how zany life is at this stage. I don't even know that I would do any correcting of you if this is you and you go like, I'm not really enjoying it right now. I don't think I'd, there's any correction there. Um, if you just said, honestly, I'd rather be at work than changing diapers all day, uh, that would be totally normal. And all you can do is sacrifice your life, which you already are doing, this guy's already doing, and know that things are going to get way better as your children age. We've talked about this before, but if anybody's in that situation, uh, one thing that you can look forward to is that when your oldest child reaches, oh, uh, really about eight years old uh, and certainly older, they can start helping in really meaningful ways and lightening the load both of mom and dad. And if you're not training your children to do things like helping around the kitchen and giving them a, a repeatable job that they do, okay, it's always your job to unload the dishwasher. Uh, we know families who they specifically arrange their kitchen in ways so that they're, watch me now, they're three-year-old can unload the dishwasher. So he can't reach high cabinets, so they simply put uh, daily dishes down in the lower cabinets. Pretty smart, and they put the mixing bowls and things that are used more for cooking up high so that the little one can put all of the plates, the cups that are used repeatedly, the silverware, all down low. So that's one way to lighten the load um, and that should be happening more and more as your children age. There should be less on you, less wake-ups, uh, you know, tantrums, all that stuff. So, number two, second thought. It would be smart to find a small handful of other dads who take their role seriously. A community of men pulling in the same direction is a powerful motivator. Think about it. Your peers shape your ambitions. What they value, you'll want to achieve. I have the luxury of being surrounded by men who literally shouted out, give me that, when we read about obedient Rechabite family clan in Jeremiah 35. So I'm, I'm with a group of guys. You can look up that episode. We talk about the 
the, the gathering of men to discuss the Bible, the Jewish word, the Hebrew word for that is a midrash. And we get together, we read this story in Jeremiah 35 about this clan. And there were guys in the room that were just like, yeah, that's what I want. And I was thinking to myself, isn't this great to have this group of guys around me that want this? So these guys make me want to really kill it when it comes to family life. I, I really want to get an A plus because that's what my peers value. I want happy, obedient, scripture loyal kids and an obedient, cheerful, supportive wife at my side. Basically, I want the Norman Rockwell painting of the family going to church, um, which we're, we're peaceful, we're happy. Doesn't matter what the world is doing around us. If things are a little sooty and a little uh, misshapen around us, that's just fine. We are peaceful. We're at peace with one another and we have a peaceful life together. That's my, that's my second thought is having that group of dudes. Number three, that leads me to surround yourself with family affirming content. Watching movies about James Bond, who is an untethered single man who, uh, forgive the language, he bangs every hot chick that crosses his path only to move on to the next awesome motorcycle that he can mount as soon as possible will not reinforce your fatherly instinct. Call me corny, but watching something like Little House on the Prairie reruns will do that. It, it will make you proud and motivated to be a better father. I don't know what to tell you, except that that's true. Um, someday we're going to have a place where you can, where, where we can just go watch all of this stuff. And we can say, these movies, these shows are good. They're going to motivate you. They're going to inspire you. We don't have that right now, so I'm just thinking of what what have I watched recently, and you know what? My family still watches Little House on the Prairie, and I I know that that's corny and old-fashioned, but I'll often uh, turn to my family and go, that's the kind of dad that I want to be. So, um, again, watching uh, James Bond isn't going to do that for you. Um, so will uh, A River Runs Through It. That's one of my old favorites, and I love the men in that movie. I love, uh, I love uh, the father, um, Norman, and King Richard, and Cheaper by the Dozen. Heck, we love the movie Taken. <laughs> Me, my wife. If you if you need if you need an action adventure movie, there's there's several that fit this um, that fit this frame where it is about a brave dad protecting. And of course, Taken is over the top, and you're going to see some, some, uh, some of the bang bang things that you hold in your hand and that shoot something out of them. You're going to see those happening, and you'll see people falling down because of it. Um, so yeah, of course, it's adult content to be uh, consumed um, with wisdom. Uh, but my wife and I love those movies because here's a dad who is going like, uh, I'm going to get you if you mess with my family. There's also several podcasts and uh, like Twitter accounts or social media accounts that you can follow that are this excellent stuff, stuff like family teams, uh, people that we love who are constantly rolling out with, here's an inspirational thought for the day. Here's something that you could be doing with your family. And um, I just find that when you surround yourself with that stuff, uh, you, you find that we're running the same direction and I personally want all the cheerleading I can get. So I would say that's my third thought is surround yourself with that content. Number four, and again, I'm, I'm 
stabbing in the dark here. I don't know if this is this guy's case, but I throw this out. Discipline your children. Make them obey you the first time. You can start this training at six months. That's when we did. We've talked about that um, and, and uh, podcasts past. Jordan Peterson says it well. Create children who are the kind of people you want to be around. If you don't enjoy your children over the age of, say, three, it's your own fault. We, we, I'm, I'm afraid we need to hear that. I'm not trying to be mean. Um, but it's you're making these people. You're creating their worldview. You are the one who determines uh, if and when they will obey. So develop their interests to match yours. Um, again, we're about to throw this to Michael. Michael loves hockey. I couldn't care less about hockey. I think it is a nonsense sport of, uh, I don't get it. It seems slow. Nobody ever scores. Um, but Michael loves hockey. He's, he's Canadian and, uh, he loves the Montreal Canadians and he has, uh, ingrained into his family, a love of hockey, specifically the Habs and, and they love it. Every, I mean, they have little, you know how you might've grown up like I did with a hoop out back in the, in the driveway, shooting hoops with dad. Well, in their garage, there's a little like plastic hockey mat and they get out there with sticks in the garage all the time and smack a uh, plastic pucks into a net. So, you know, guess what Michael's doing? He's creating uh, children that he wants to spend time with because they love what he loves. And so um, if you think, gosh, what would I really love to do? Well, I love to go play tennis right now. I know I'll take my child who also loves to play tennis. I mean, that seems pretty reasonable to me. Um, to develop their interest to match yours, make them hardworking, make them compliant, make them cheerful and, and develop things in them that you want to spend time with them. Just a thought. Uh, fifth thought last one on this email is talk about vision with your wife. Remind each other where you're headed and why you make all of the sacrifices that you do. Feeling that you have a teammate beside you running in the same direction is awfully motivating. You, you will feel that you are both uh, lifting two sides of the same basket and you'll feel like, gosh, she's holding it down at home and then I hold it down after I get home and I'm working for the family when I'm gone. And I know she's working for the family when I'm not there. And you, the more that you can feel like a team and uh, engender that feeling of pursuing a vision together, uh, the better it will be. You will willingly endure all kinds of suffering for a true blue teammate. And that's, that's true. You, you don't have to look very far to, to understand that fact. That's true in sports. It's true in military that um, it's true in business to some, uh, to some extent, specifically with startups. You feel like, when I consider what this person is sacrificing, I'm willing to sacrifice as well to be a good teammate. So I just finished this email saying, it's a great question and one that many men deal with. No matter the cause, and, I, and again, I was shooting, trying to guess at the cause, you're doing the right thing. Be the man you want to be even when your heart isn't in it and you find that your heart will come around in time. So invest, 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 and your heart will migrate towards your investment. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
So if you are investing repeatedly in something, you'll find, gosh, you really start caring about that thing. So that might not happen in a year, um, but you keep going. So bless you for being faithful, even when your heart wanders away. Keep going. The season that you're in will pass. Your being called to Father by God will not. That calling is not going away. The season of the doldrums and uh, dreading whatever your duties are, that will go away. So uh, remain faithful. So that was my email to him. He replied uh, with a long email. I'm just going to pull one little point out of it, which I think is quite salient and might apply to some people listening. Uh, he says, I grew up in a church going Christian home where I was loved and showed affection, though my parents got divorced when I was four. So I never saw a normal mom and dad home environment. I lived with my mom primarily, um, and then my dad got to custody later. There wasn't any family vision or discipleship in my home. So I, I, I want to address that if, that, if that might be anybody else's, um, anybody else's situation. What I said to him in response is, I want, and like, if I could just grab you by the shoulders and maybe even by the face and look into your eyes, I would say, you need to understand something very important about, uh, about the fact I said earlier, if you're changing the story in your generations, things are going to be harder for you because you're going to be swimming upstream. You're going to be breaking old precedents. That's this guy. And so I would want to look him right in the face and say, you need to own this. Like I would like, I want you to like write this in crayon on your mirror, uh, where you brush your teeth. You are a generational pioneer. You're a generational pioneer. You got to understand that. So that means that you are Abrahamic. That means you are the patriarch for what is going to be happening in your generations from this point forward. It's critical. It's crucial for you to understand this. The implications are far reaching. And I've got seven things that came off the top of mind for me. One, you have no human template to work off of. You, you, you don't get to say, I'm going to do what dad did, but I'm going to maybe change a couple of things and do it better. He doesn't have any of that. He's got nothing. Number two, what you have to do is you have to innovate against your experience. Ergo, what you do will feel strange and new to you. It, it, it's going to be like wearing dress shoes for the first time. You go like, is this the way they're supposed to feel? They don't feel comfy like sneakers. What, what's happening here? So four, you cannot just do what comes naturally. Uh, that is a way towards Americanism. And Americanism means ineffectiveness and, and spiritual poverty. And so we don't want that for you. So you can't just do what comes naturally because what comes natural is what you've seen and what you see around you in the culture. So that's no good. So that means, number five, your reference points are Abraham, Ernest Shackleton, Neil Armstrong, not your neighbors across the street. I hope, I hope I'm painting a picture. You've got to think, I'm doing something new in this pioneering work that God's given me. So your peers must be chosen very carefully. If you had had the roadmap built inside of you, that is, you're like a third generation father and disciple maker, you could be way more casual about such things. But as it is, everything you do is setting new precedents. None of your fathering is a reproduction of your generational story. 
So you need to be careful and bold and wise. I would say you're doing an incredible thing by pioneering in your family. <clears throat> God chooses one person out of a family to be that pioneer. I don't know if we've ever covered this before, but I, I, I notice this all the time. Uh, I, I got a dear friend two doors down and he is this way. He's one of these people. Um, uh, my father is one of these people. God chooses one person out of a family and God in his wisdom bets everything on that one. So you've got to cling to truth and boldness with everything you've got. You do not lean on your own understanding. And when your flesh goes, sheesh, is it even really worth it? You give it that blank, merciless stare that you give a mouse in a trap. Then you step on its head. <laughs> you ignore it. You stay true north. You pull and you do that work week after week. And don't you dare give up. You say, I will slit my own throat before I lay down and give up this fight that God's given me because I'm changing the story of my family. And you surround yourself with brothers who will hold you to it. They'll cheerlead you. They'll keep you pulling straight. And they're trying to do the same thing. You are you're laying new foundations for a new story in your family. What you can't do is go, well, I'm going to just kind of change the way that I am. I hope to get my internal world in shape and good luck to everybody else. Um, you should study together with your wife about how a husband-wife relationship can look and is supposed to look. Go to the scriptures together. Study those things. Talk to your children about what it means to be um, um, an obedient child. Talk about what God's expectations are for a child and educate them and inspire them and cheerlead them, um, you know, for living out that story. And that includes to me talking them through what sibling relationships can look like. So that's why I threw that in. Um, and I just said here at the end, I was listening this week to another parenting mentor saying how crucial it is to be consistent in parenting. It's just so important, consistent over and over and over. Never miss the small things. Never overlook tiny disobediences or tiny rebellions. Consistency, consistency. Um, so I, I said, I bless you with this verse that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So there's just a picture of God's steadfastness. That's I believe that's Lamentations 3, 23, I think. But we see that picture of steadfast, unfaltering, consistent, and trustworthiness in God. And I said, I bless you with that same steadfast love of the Lord. So I, I want to say that to all or anybody listening. If you're at the same kind of like, man, I am worn out trying to do the work of family building. I bless you with steadfastness. And if you feel like I don't have steadfastness, well, then my recommendation to you is to receive steadfastness from the Lord and receive that as a gift from him. It's who he is. So um, if I feel that I'm out of love, I can, I can focus on and rest on how loving God is. He's so loving. Think about how generous and how patient he is with you, how forgiving he is with you. Oh, Lord, I receive. You're so good to me. You're so patient to me. And then that kind of patience vibe, which I think about, I'm thinking of specific things, how patient he is to me, then I can give that away to other people. 
It's so much easier to forgive when you know that you've been forgiven. Same is true about being steadfast. When I consider how steadfast, how faithful God is, I love singing songs about how faithful God is. He's so unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to be that same way with my family. So God, give me grace today to be your man in my home. Um, well, that's all I have to say about this, this uh, email, but I will, uh, I'm sure you haven't heard the last of me uh, talking. I know it can be tough to hear one voice for a long time, but I hope you've uh, received some value out of this email, which again, I thought was tremendous. We love to get emails uh, from you folks. Um, so now I'm going to throw it to that conversation that I had with Michael in a car. I, I don't know how much car noise you're going to get. I haven't heard the, uh, audio of it yet. I hope it's passable, but, uh, Michael had some really good things to say. I think we landed a good spot. Um, I don't think there's an easy way to sum up because again, we're just scattershot throwing ideas out. So I'm not going to come back and try to sum up at the end. I'm just going to let this conversation be the end, and we'll see you next week. Uh, with next week, uh, we're going to be doing part two of the critical skills of money, which is oversight. I think we should say oversight. There's a guy who's got, I think he's got five kids, and you got five kids. Wait, no, you got six kids now. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's got. He's got more kids than that. And uh, anyways, this guy that wrote in says, I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. I'm trying to help my wife. I'm reading to my older kids when I can. We're, you know, praying together and reading Bible stories, whatever. But the bottom line is I don't, I don't, it doesn't do it for me. I'm just not enjoying being a dad. I don't really have this. Like, I listen to Abe's wallet because I think that I should, but it's not, like, doing it for me. So my first question to you, Michael, is what do you think is, what if you were sitting down with this guy and he said to you, what's wrong with me? What do you think is wrong with him? What's the difference between him and you? I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind would be an idea of the vision you know, having, what's your end goal? What's your vision? What are you working towards? For me, kids are a big part of that. And so it's a joy to do the, the joyless tasks. I mean, it's still, I mean, it's still like a grind, but that's, I mean, that's life with a lot of young kids. That's just how it is. But, you know, I think if, if you know, if you have a clear picture of what you're working towards in the future, it's kind of the same as, you know, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. And that's the whole, that's kind of the essence of what I'm getting at. So Jesus was kind of, if we kind of take that Hebrews uh, passage, Jesus looked at our redemption and the joy. Uh, that's a great question, actually. Is what was the joy that was set before Jesus? I, I would presume that our redemption, the redemption of the world, is part of it. Bringing many sons to glory. And he wanted to bring many sons to glory. That's what we're trying to do with that. <laughs> right. But he also had the uh, pleasure of doing his Father's will and knowing that he was going to please the Father. He said in John 17, uh, I, I 
I saved all the ones you gave to me. I, I, I did it all and I didn't leave anybody behind. So the, that was part of the joy that he had. So when you say having a vision and kids are part of my vision, what's the vision you're talking about? Well, I mean, I think, I think there's kind of two ways you could think about having a family. It's something you do after college, you get married, you have, have a couple kids that kind of feels, feels right. It, it satisfies some innate, you know, urge in you or you, a biblical view of children is that they're a blessing and that God desires godly offspring, which he tells us in Malachi. So I think a part of the vision for me is that I'm, I'm tasked with multiplying the earth and being fruitful and also dis- making disciples. And that would in- involve, you know, my children. Okay. So I'm, g- I'm going to, uh, presume something, you correct me if I'm wrong. Would you say that part of the, part of feeling joyful and purposeful as a father, that step one would be, I have decided to give my life to the kingdom of God. And that is my overall goal. And knowing that the way that I'm raising children fulfills the pleasure of God is a major factor in you enjoying the process if it were as it were yeah yeah sorry I I was I was working in the context that we were talking about someone who's already done that well okay yeah we're talking about believers yeah but we know that there's a difference between somebody who says I do believe that Jesus died and was raised from the dead for my sins and somebody who has died to themselves and say the whole point of my life is to please the Lord. So if you say that the whole point of your life is to please the Lord, then the monotony of wiping butts and changing diapers and washing dirty socks every day, you it becomes a joyful act of worship because, oh, this is how I please the king? Well, this is all right. I can do this. Yeah. When you consider how other uh, martyrs have given their lives for the king around the world throughout the ages and go, wait a second, I get to live with this hot woman in this wonderful house and love all of these energetic kids. That's my job. <laughs> the best. That's an eloquent way of putting it. But yeah, I mean, to it, it, it's 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 to lo- lose your life, you know, for my sake and the sake of the gospel, and you'll find true life. Well, it's, it's a paradox, right? It's, it's, it's in, in the self-sacrificing, picking up your cross, denying yourself, which all sound horrible, you find true life, and you find what, what, is, what is actually truly fulfilling. Uh, and so I think having, having a vision that is geared around that exact thing is you're able to endure any situation. I think that's a phenomenal insight that if you can equate your parenting and fatherhood with your discipleship, say, no, these are the same thing. Yeah. If I want to be like Jesus and I want to live for him, I'm going to hit the marks of, of fathering um, I think that's very freeing, as you say, because uh, it re- it releases you from the need to 
have, quote, a happy life or, quote, a fulfilling life or, quote, make the most of your all the junk that we're told to make the most of your life and all that. No, that's not my goal. My goal is just to live for the king. And if he's made me to be a father, then this is what I'll find joy in. So um, let, let's get back to our, our troubled dad. So do you have any... Do you have any uh, advice for him? What, how can he fix the state that he's in? Maybe taking some time, taking a, taking a weekend away or something, and, and thinking through the priorities, you know, and how, and asking in prayer, asking the Lord to, to reprioritize, you know, uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be renewed by the transforming of your mind, I think. I think allowing the Lord to tell us what's important, what's not, you know, the the world has a very skewed version of, hey, this is what really matters, you know. Um, so I think I think I think meditating on that and and figuring out for yourself how is how how do my priorities need to better line up with the Lord's priorities? I'm not sure. I'm just spitballing. No, that's great. Now. You were just saying a minute ago about how our friend Stephen Morey had recommended to you and your wife, Sammy, um, like putting a great week together. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tell us about that. Yeah, I think think a lot of modern Western thought is we have these big events on the calendar that we kind of look forward to, going to a concert, so-and-so's getting married, you know. And, and so all the time in between is kind of a drag to getting to that linear point in time. And then you kind of move on to the next thing. Whereas the Hebraic way of thinking is cyclical. And so they, they take, they take a week and they have, you know, you, you, you get into a, into a rhythm and a schedule and a routine for each day of the week. Right. And so on Friday nights, we stop all work and we have a delicious meal and Saturday we rest. And so that's something that the kids are looking forward to. But then we have, you know, the next day we do housework, then, then we do, you know. And so by just focusing on living one good week at a time, it takes a lot of pressure off the big picture and it helps create focus around, um, you know, each day, what am I doing? What am I supposed to be doing? Um, and so it, it, yeah, it was, it was really uh, helpful to me. I think that's great. You know, if you, if you think of your whole life in one week, literally everything I want to accomplish in my life, let's put it down into one week so that you're hitting your five capitals. You're, you're saying, where is our family's spiritual growth? Where is my spiritual growth? And if we can, and like you say, having, having rest time, having a festival, I mean, that's what, that's what the Shabbat meal is. It's a mini festival. So you've got high points, you've got quiet time, you've got rest, you've got work. They say like, they say if you're not doing something, like say like you want to be a writer. Well, if you're not writing once a week, at some point you're not a writer, you know? So, or if you want to be reading or, you know, whatever it is you're doing, you need to build it into your week. Um, or else it, you know, you're not going to do it. So I might tell our bro that if he is struggling with 
seeing vision come to life in his family, um, maybe he needs to spend time at least weekly revisiting vision and tinkering with it and dreaming and journaling or something so that he can he can start shaping his mind that, you know, when if I have to get up, my, my job was always to do the 11 p.m. dream feed while my wife is sleeping. Not right now. <laughs> and if that, you know, if that's your deal and, uh, you know, you, you're doing that for six or eight or 40 weeks, um, then it, it can help you to revisit every once in a while. Now, what's my vision again? How is this meeting my needs? Wait, my vision is for my wife to be in good shape and she's serving our family all day. So I'm going to sacrifice for her, you know, for this dream feed or whatever, or for my child. This is a precious time for me to bond with my child. That's what I turned into with the dream feeds. And man, I just, I, I got to the point where now I, I, I think I can say that I, my wife will get on to me because I so love putting my kids to bed because it just became part of the routine of my life. And so I'll just spend time with them and I just want to talk to them and then I want to read with them and why don't we pray together? And my wife's like, you can leave their room now, you know? And so I, I, that's what I want for our friend is that he could get away from the drudgery of hitting these, hitting his marks as a dad, start to see vision behind it. And then, and then as you say, enjoyment comes after that. That's one of the fringe benefits, right? Yeah. Anything else? Also to incorporate your kids in it, like we have a little motto for what we're what we're going towards and uh, you know, the kids learn it, like family values. And they're all in the five capitals and and the kids know them and my wife, you know, recites them and a camaraderie uh, is formed because it's it's hard, it's really hard. You know, it's 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 a it's a denial of self. And uh, so to have like buy-in from everybody and include people in it is, is fun too. That's great. Well, I'll just say to put a button on this that I, I bless our friend and everybody that's listening or watching uh, that the denying of yourself, subsuming your vision and goals into your discipleship of the king and then hitting these marks based on where we know that we're going, man, it sure leads to, well, I mean, this is another topic altogether, but I believe it was C.S. Lewis that always says that if you, if you aim for happiness, you never get it. And if you aim for a life of meaning and honoring the Lord, you get happiness thrown in for free. So I, I just bless everybody that, that you might have that with your families. All right. Hey, I want to throw a little spotlight on cleaner soaps and sundries. They're a men's personal care brand run by a great guy, CT, who makes cleaner products and does a ton of good for vets along the way. I had tacos with this special ops dude turned entrepreneur in Texas and knew right away this brand is something our listeners are going to love to support. I think you're going to dig the soaps and deodorants and pomades and beard oils all made from totally natural based ingredients. I use them and I love them. So find all their great stuff at klenr.com. That's cleaner.com. And if you type in AW, you'll get an automatic 10% discount on whatever you find. So check them out.